Father, we thank you for the word today. It's always a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And as I stand as your representative to speak forth the word, I step back so the spirit of God can use me to to communicate the oracles of God in truth and in spirit. I thank you in advance that our lives will be better after having heard this word. I thank you that our lives will be changed for the better. And Lord, our faith will be raised to live a life that is more than abundant that Jesus died for us to have. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Let everybody say amen. Amen, amen. So this morning, uh, for the whole month of December, we've been in a series called Noel, the King with Five Names. Everybody say Noel, the King with Five Names. And the whole purpose of the series is to give us insight on the different names that Jesus would be called. And so our first lesson was entitled, The King is Wonderful. Our second one was called, The King is a Counselor. Our third lesson last week was, The King is Mighty. And today, if you're taking notes, our message title is, The King is the Everlasting Father. So if you have your Bibles, we're going back to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. If you're visiting us today, thank you so much for coming. I believe your life will be changed. I believe you'll learn something that will help you uh, apply to your everyday walk with Christ. We're going to look at Isaiah 9, 6. And then we're going to go over to Luke chapter 2, verse 7. And our whole lesson today is designed around the whole Christmas story uh, based on the principle that we find in Isaiah 9, 6. It says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulder, and his name shall be called what? Wonderful. What else? Counselor, what else? The mighty God, what else? The everlasting Father, and then the Prince of Peace. Now, our focus today is on the everlasting Father. So what we need to do in order for us to have the proper foundation of what I'm teaching today is that we really need to define what both of those words mean because it's going to help us. So when you look up the word everlasting, it's pretty simple. The meaning to that means eternal and everlasting. Everybody say eternal and everlasting. That's pretty simple. However, this word father is where it could be complicated, but I'm going to break it down. Now, let me show you something that's interesting about this word father. In the Hebrew, when you're studying, each Hebrew word has been given a number. So as you study, you can look the number up and it'll take you to the Hebrew word. Well, the Hebrew number for this word father is the number one. Everybody say the number one. All right, so that's interesting right here. So let's look at the different definitions that this word father has. Instead, first of all, the, it means the father of an individual. The father of an individual. Number two, it's used of God as father of his people. All right, and then number three, this word father means the head or the founder of a household. And then number four, it is a ruler or a chief. Now... Although all of these definitions of good in their own way, based on what we're teaching, and I'll show you today why the ruler and chief is the best definition of what we're talking about. So in essence, we're saying today, uh, according to Isaiah 9, 6, that Jesus would be called the eternal, eternal ruler and chief. 
Now, the word chief is not a new, new word in the New Testament. In fact, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 4, this word chief about Jesus is used. And so you'll see why I'm picking this. And let me point this out. Because the Bible says that Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. When you look up that word author, it also is the word chief. So he is the father or chief of our faith as well. So we could use it, but I'm focusing on this one for a reason. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 4 says this. Feed the flock of God. This is talking about pastors who is among you. Take oversight thereof, not by constraint. Amen. Pastors shouldn't be controlling people. Can I get a better amen from that? Amen. Amen. But willingly, not for filthy lucre. How many know you can't work for money when you're a pastor? You, you, that's, the wrong, that's the wrong motivation. Because uh, there are too many problems and you'll never be able to keep up with the money. Uh, because there are more problems as a pastor than, that you may not know of and you won't know until you become one. Amen. In fact, I would not even try to be a pastor unless God calls you to be one. Because it's not a job, it's a calling. Someone say amen to that. It says, but willingly, not of filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither being lords over God's heritage, that's that control, but be examples to the what? Watch this word now, chief. And when the chief shepherd, that's talking about Jesus, shall appear... You shall receive a crown of glory that fades not away. Watch 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 6. Here's another verse that talks about Jesus being a chief. Wherefore also it is contained in Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, talking about Jesus, elect precious, and he that believes on him shall not be confounded. Now, I love the Amplified Version because it says, For thus it stands in Scripture, Behold, I'm laying in Zion a chosen, honored, precious, chief cornerstone, and he who believes in him or who adheres to, trusts in, and relies in him shall never be disappointed or be put to shame. Amen. So let's just state the obvious up front, okay? Because Isaiah 9, 6 is saying that Jesus is our chief or he's the chief of eternal or everlasting life. So with that being said, let me just say it this way. There's no other way to heaven but by Jesus Christ. There's no other way to get eternal life except by Jesus Christ. John 3.16 is a pretty simple verse. For God so loved the world that he what? Gave his only begotten son and whosoever believe in him shall not perish but have what? Everlasting life. Uh, John 14.6, Jesus said unto them, I am the way. He didn't say I am a way. He says I am the way. That's a big difference now. There's no other way to get to the Father but by Jesus Christ. And I don't care what the world throws to you. Do not let them believe any, let you believe anything different than Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen? No man comes to the Father, he says, but by me. So in order for us to experience eternal life, we must, watch this now, believe and accept the chief cornerstone, Jesus Christ, as Lord and Savior. Say amen to that. Jesus said it like this. He says, I am the door. This is in John 10, 7. He says, Verily I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. Who's the door? Who's the door? Jesus is the door. Listen, listen. The, the black Israelites are not the door. 
Okay? I'm just going to make it clear. The Muslim way is not the door. Jesus is the door. A religion is not the door. The person is the door. Amen. He says, I am the door by me. If any man enters in, watch what happens. He will be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. So since Jesus is supposed to be the eternal chief of our lives, that means there are two things that you and I need to do all the time. Here's number one. If he's going to be the eternal chief of our lives, we must always believe him, number one. And number two, we must always obey him. I'm going to say that again. If Jesus is going to be the eternal chief of our lives, how many know chief means the in charge one? Have you ever heard that saying, too many chiefs and not enough? Indians, you know what that means? And too many people are in charge. Listen, if Jesus is going to be the eternal chief of our lives, there are two things that we need to do. And we're going to talk about these two things throughout the lesson today. And that is we must believe him and we should obey him. Everybody say we must believe him and we must obey him. Now, I want you to notice the order in which I said that because the order is important. I said we must believe him first and then obey him second. And here's why a lot of believers struggle to obey the Lord. If you're struggling in some area to obey God, it's only because you haven't believed him yet. You cannot obey until you believe. Amen. And the Lord, he wants us to believe first. And Romans 10, 16 says this, but they have not all obeyed the gospel For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So I want you to notice that before you can obey, you have to believe. And so if you're struggling, go back to what you are believing. And if what you are believing is not rooted in your heart, because knowledge, knowing is not just believing. You can know something, but until you accept it as truth, then you won't believe it. That's what, that's what believing is, to accept something as to be true. So you can, you can hear something and not believe that it is the truth. And so what you have to do in order to get your belief system straight is to pour the word in your heart. Just keep putting it in there. I tell people, listen, get up and go to church. I don't care what's going on in your life. I don't care how how, how high you were last night, how many drinks you had last night. Listen, the world will sober you up. So you cannot obey what you have not believed. And believing is just accepting that to be something to be true. And so this is why we have the story of the birth of Jesus Christ. Because there were many people, watch this, who chose to believe. And then after they believed, they obeyed. Mary had to believe the instructions of the angel in order for, watch this now, the birth of Jesus to take place in our world. And so she had to not just believe, but she had to obey God's plan. And sometimes, let me tell you something, when we don't believe and obey, you and I are the ones that miss out on God's best for our life. Amen. The shepherds that were abiding in the field, they were minding their own business. But they chose to believe the message that they heard and obey it. And so what we're going to do today 
is look at some people who had to believe the word about Jesus is coming and obey what God told them to do. Because if they had not believed and they had not obeyed, we would not have the story and the birth of Jesus Christ today. Can I get an amen? Amen. So let's look at Luke chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 1. And uh, there are some facts that I'm going to point out about Christmas that you may not have known that I want to point out. In Luke chapter 2, it says, And it came to pass in those days, I'm reading out of the King James, that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius, who was governor of Syria. Verse 3 says, And all that went to be taxed, everyone had to go to their own city. And so Joseph went up from Galilee out to the city of Nazareth. Okay, so Joseph obviously was for Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called what class? Come on, class. Called Bethlehem, because he was of the household and lineage of David. Now, verse 5 says, He came to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, who was being great with child. And so it was, while they were there, the days were accomplished that she would be delivered. And they brought forth her firstborn son. I want you to notice the word firstborn because that means she had children after Jesus. Firstborn, and they wrapped him in swaddling clothes. They laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock. And lo, the angel of heaven came to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were so afraid. And the angel said to them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this sign shall be unto you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a what class? I'm asking you that for a reason. Verse 13 says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known unto us. Notice now they had to believe what they heard, and now they had to do something with what they heard. Verse 16 says, And they came with haste, and they found Mary, Joseph, and the baby lying in the manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning the child. Everybody say, I must believe Jesus, and I must obey Jesus. So let me point out a couple of things here that that I think will help you understand some truth. First of all, verse 7 says that she brought forth her firstborn, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger. And here's why, because there was no room in the inn. So here's a truth that I want you to take home with you. The only reason Jesus was born in a manger was because all of the hotels were booked. See, some of us grew up that Jesus was born in a manger because they were poor. They had no money and they had no place to go. No, no, the Bible says that all the ends were filled up. It's like a Dallas Cowboy game. If you try to get a hotel around that area, it's all booked up. Amen. They didn't have, they didn't have you know, hotel.com back then where they could call ahead and book it, right? So the only reason he was born in a manger 
was that the hotel rooms were booked up. Here's something else I want to point out. Verse 7 said, they laid him in a manger. Now, let me tell you something else about this here. Okay, the manger was not a little box. The manger was not a, a little box or a little crib that we see on our Christmas displays. Okay, here are a few verses that I want to read. Now, we just read verse 16. It said this, and they came with haste, talking about the, the uh, shepherds, and they found Mary, Joseph, and the baby lying where? Who they find lying in the manger? It said Mary, Joseph, who? Mary, Joseph, and who else? Okay, hey, couldn't have been a little box. They all just squeezed up on the box. Couldn't have been a little crib like we put our little kids in the little crib. It wasn't a little crib because how can all three of them fit in the little crib? Okay, okay. All right. Let me show you another verse in Luke chapter 13, verse 15. Let me show you this, this same Greek word for the word manger. Let me show it to you in another verse. It's a different English word, but it is the same Greek word. Luke 13, 15. Watch what it says. The Lord then answered him and said, you hypocrite. Do not each of you on the Sabbath day loose his ox or his donkey? <laughs> when I want to cuss, I just read that word right there. <laughs> he said, don't, don't you not loose your ox or your donkey? Watch this. From the what class? From the stall and lead him away to water. And the word stall is the same word manger. When you look this word stall or manger up, the Greek word means a stall. A stall is where animals were kept. It was not a little box. It was not a little crib. And I'm not downing the little things that we see around us. I'm just trying to bring truth because the truth will make you free. Someone say amen to that. Look in verse 8. Let's go back to verse 8 because verse 8 shows us where the shepherds had to believe the message and then obey the message because that's what we're talking about today. If Jesus is going to be the chief eternal person in our life, chief means first. Chief means he's in charge. Unfortunately, many of us, we think we are in charge of our lives and that's why our lives are not the way they need to be. So verse 8 says, and when the same shepherds were abiding in the field, and I'll teach it later, that it really wasn't December when Jesus was born. Okay? But I'll go, that's a whole nother teaching. Verse 9, it says, and lo, the angel of the Lord came to them, and, and the glory came on them. So here's the question that I, I want to just point out to you. Why did God choose to reveal to the shepherds this amazing event regarding Jesus being born. Here is why. Shepherds were considered honest and trustworthy people. Shepherds weren't just anybody. Shepherds were people who could be trusted. And God knew that if he was going to use somebody to relay the message of his son being born, he had to give it to people who were trustworthy and honest or nobody would believe it. Come on, how many of you know somebody when they tell you something, you ain't going to believe them? I'll be there at nine. You know they're not going to be there at nine. You know that. So you don't even show up at nine. You show up around nine, twenty, and they pulling up with you. Everybody say, I must believe Jesus and I must obey Jesus. 
So what are, we, what are we believing and obeying? We're believing His Word and we're obeying His Word. Because without people believing and obeying, we wouldn't have the Christmas story. So here's a question. Who is your believing and obedience impacting that you don't know? Who is your believing and your obedience impacting? See, all of these people in the Bible, their obedience and their, their uh, believing impacted our lives because we're reading about it. But, but I wonder whose lives are you going to impact by your believing and your obedience that you don't know about yet? See, there are going to be thousands of people who are going to accept Jesus Christ at Word of Truth Family Church long when we gone because a man named Reginald York decided to believe God and obey God. He told him, he told me, I'm going to build this building, and that's what he did. Now, God told me to do it, but he had to use somebody, right? Well, there are thousands, I believe millions of people that I believe will be impacted by Reginald's decision. Someone say amen to that. So I wonder how many people are being impacted by your obedience and your believing. Now let's go to Matthew chapter 2. I'm going to give you another Christmas story here. It's coming from a different perspective. I'm going to highlight the same principle that we got to believe and we have to obey. In Matthew chapter 2, this is a second story about the birth of Jesus. I'm just going to point something out and then we're going to apply what we're hearing today. In Matthew chapter 2 verse 1 it says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judah... In the days of Herod the king, behold, there came what kind of men? Wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we've come to worship him. When Herod the king heard these things, he was troubled, and all of Israel with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he demanded of them, asking them where Christ would be born. They said unto him, Hey, Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, You, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of you shall a governor that shall rule my people Israel come out of. Verse 7, Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, because see, sometimes you don't know haters, they, they they talk about you behind your back. They're not going to talk about you in front of your face. Smile in your face, all the time won't take your place. <laughs> Pull my temptations on, on y'all. Backstabbers. Okay, let me get focused. All right. So then Herod, when he privately called the wise men, he inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared, and he sent to them. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, "Hey." Go search for the child diligently. And when you find the young child, when you found him, bring me word that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed. And so the star from the east they saw, and it came and stood over where the child was. I want you to notice now, it's not using the word baby. It's using the word child. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding joy. And when they came into the what class? Claiming to the house, I'm pointing that out for a reason. They saw the young child, there's that word again, with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned of God, watch this now, this is what they had to believe, and this is what they had to obey. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed 
to their own country. Now, let's point out a couple of truths in this Christmas story that I want to also show you. So let's go back to verse 1 because it says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, behold, there came wise men from the east. Now, I want you to notice that it used the word or term wise men and not king. See, when I was growing up, we grew up Presbyterian. We used to sing Christmas songs. But all of them did not necessarily match Scripture. So that, that was a song that we sung. I don't know if you all know this song because Presbyterians' lifestyles were completely different from, you know, regular people. But it was a song that says, We three kings of Orient High. How many heard that song? We three kings. It, it, it didn't say they was kings. It, it didn't even say it was three of them. You see how truth can get off. So now you, you got these manger scenes because the Bible just told us that the wise men, not the kings, when they showed up, they found Jesus at a house. So why the manger scenes that we see got the wise men or the kings over here, three of them, and then we got the shepherds over here, that's three of them, and then we got a baby in a basket, I'm just telling you. Here's a question. If an alien, I don't believe in aliens. I do believe in demons. But if an alien, if there was one, were to come down from the sky and check out earth during Christmas time, I wonder what would they leave with the message? Would they know, believe that Christmas is about Santa Claus? Would they believe that Christmas is about Christmas trees? Oh, 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 oh. Would they believe that it's about Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer? Who had a very shiny nose. How does a reindeer have a shiny nose? When you look up this Greek word for the word wise men, it's the word magos. Everybody say magos. And this word magos, it was a name given by the Babylonians, the Chaldeans, the Medes, the Persians. Watch this. To to identify wise men, teachers, priests, physicians, astrologers, seers, interpreters of dreams, soothsayers, and even sorcerers. So this name, this wise man, it wasn't a kings. I want you to just see that. And so it was those, because I know in Scripture, I know that these men, these wise men were astrologers because they were following a star, right? You say, well, I don't believe a star can direct people well, the New Living Translation of Psalm 19.1 says this. The heavens proclaim the glory of God and the skies display his craftsmanship. God said this. If you don't want to praise him, he says, I'll let rocks do it. Look, if rocks can praise God and if a donkey can talk, then a star can lead somebody to Jesus. So God led these men to Jesus. 
And if you'll notice verse 11, it says, when they came into the house. So I need to, you to remove the false thinking that Jesus didn't have a house. It didn't say apartment. It didn't say condo. Nothing wrong with apartments. Nothing wrong with condos. But we got Jesus up here that he was poor. But let me just say this. If you're poor, you can't afford custom clothing. The Bible says Jesus' garment was seamless. And when he died, the soldiers who killed him gambled for his clothing. You don't gamble from clothes from goodwill. Jesus, I know you don't see him as a rich man, but a poor man doesn't have a personal treasurer. He had a treasurer named Judas who carried the money. If you're broke, you don't need nobody to carry your money. When you're broke, you don't trust nobody to carry your money. I don't need somebody to carry $5 for me. I can hold that down myself. I'm just saying. Church. Jesus was not raised in a manger. He was raised in a house. Someone say amen to that. So these wise men had to believe and obey the word. Verse 12 says, And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. So here's the question as we apply this. What area of your life do you need to believe what God, God's word says and obey it? I know Christmas time is about Jesus. But it's also about us in Jesus. My question is, what area in your life do you need to believe what God's word says and obey it? Maybe you need to believe God that he has a great future for your life. See, most people don't believe and obey him because they don't believe it. But see, the NIV version of Jeremiah 29, 11 says this. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Why wouldn't you believe that he has a future for you and obey his word if you know his future is going to prosper you? Maybe you need to believe God that he will take care of your kids. Because I have discovered as a full, rusty adult that it is more difficult to trust God with your kids when they're bigger than it all when they're little. See, I can thump you upside your head when you're little. But when you fall away from my house, somebody say Amen. Maybe you need to believe God that he's going to take care of them. Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he gets old, when they get old, when she gets old, they will not depart. The Living Bible says, teach a child to choose the right path. And when they are older, they will remain upon it. When you get to this point, you got to trust the training you put in them. And then you have to trust the trainer of them. 
Maybe you need to believe that God can turn your life around even though it's messed up. Romans 8 tells us in verse 28 that we know all things work together for good to those who love the Lord. So if your life is in shambles today, the good news is all you have to do today is just start believing and start obeying. Here's my question again. What area of your life do you need to believe what God has said and then start to obey him? Let me tell you something. I'm not a, a, I'm not a perfect obeyer, but I'm a pretty consistent one. Not perfect at all because I have a tendency to go off. I'm better at it now. But you know, the old man still around. He wants to, he wants to, he, you got to put him to sleep every minute. Paul said, I die daily. I do too. But I can tell you something through my 30 plus years of serving God. He's never let me down. He's never let me down. He's always done exceeding and abundantly above all that I could ask or think. And the only reason I'm on this stage today is because he wants me to proclaim to you that life is better when you believe and obey. Did you learn something today? Give the Lord a hand clap. With every head bow, with every eye closed, Here's my question again. What area of your life do you need to believe and then obey? You say, well, Pastor, you don't know how hard it is. Hard is relevant to every one of us. But we have a high priest who can be touched with the feelings of our, firm, our infirmities and our weaknesses. He knows exactly what you're going through. And so today, I want you to think right now, because I, I believe the Holy Spirit is bringing some things up in your heart and in your life. Some areas that you need to surrender. Some areas that you need to believe in me in. There's some people in the room, God just showed me this spiritually. The reason why you've had difficulty believing truth is because the people that you hang around with are critical of truth. And because you need their acceptance, it's been difficult for you to believe the truth and then obey it because you know they're going to criticize it. Well, that means you need some new friends. Father, in Jesus' name, the word has been pronounced, announced, and proclaimed. And I thank you that it will not return to you void in the mighty name of Jesus. With every head bowed, here's my question. If you die today...